Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hey everybody, it's Hallie. And this is Allison. Whoa! (laughs) I can see the moment of just... Like you entered the void where you're like, what is my name? What is my human name? When you said, it's Hallie, I just panicked at kind of like what verb mm-hmm. I was supposed to use in front of my name. <laughs> anyway, Hallie and Allison <laughs> are both here. Uh, if you're listening to this, that means February, which is like, as we all know, the most romantic month, thanks mm-hmm. to Valentine's Day being smack in the middle of it. And we thought like, there's just so many romantic horror films for us to cover. And all month, we're going to be doing sexy, romantic, couple-y movies. And we thought, you know, what better way to sort of get into the horror romance mood than to share our dating horror stories with you. Um, So we'll both be sharing them um, throughout the month. And I was trying to, I was looking back through it's like when you open, like, the door of a crypt and there's just mm-hmm. cobwebs and just screams. Yes. And I guess it's like, uh, it, it, what's nice is, I feel like the older you get, the more you forget the moments that were so humiliating, you Yeah, know? I found that I, like, had blocked a lot of things. Yes. And then when I was reminded of them, it was chilling <laughs> to think about. Just to think about the person you were when you were younger. Now, oh. again, I have a boyfriend, boy for the pod, Dave Schilling. Please follow him on social. Great. And I think Great my brain, plugging just the existence of my boyfriend. I've earned it. If these you stories have. tell you anything is that I've earned it. You have. And uh, But it's funny. I think my brain's like, we could probably forget about all these other guys. You know, yeah. like... Uh, I mean, not that many. But, like, you know, that era of, like, when you're just on the apps and you're like, I guess I'm just going to go out a million dates, you know... Yeah. I, I again, I will be back there soon, hopefully after the pandemic. So the story I wanted to kick off our month was, it. It's not the worst story. It's just like the first time something like this happened. Okay, I was I'm like, excited. Oh. And it was just, it's sort of like, oh, I've heard of this happening, but like it just happened to me of all no. people, the protagonist of my own horror movie. Uh, so I used to go with my friend Megan, who's probably listening. Hi. We always used to go to readings in New York, like mm-hmm. it, you know bars and everywhere had readings because one. They were free to get into. Yes. And two, they often had an hour-long open bar. Oh. You know what I mean? Being younger in New York is just knowing how to navigate mm-hmm. where the free food and booze is coming from at all times. Exactly. Which, I, I unfortunately, I wonder, like, if after the pandemic, are we going to have access to just free food and alcohol just I open? I, I think don't it's going to take a long time. Oh. Uh, R.I.P. Openbar.com. <laughs> oh, yeah, Exactly. Oh, yeah, I went to album open, like album drops. Like, I went to like oh God, parties galleries? Where, where they're just like, we just need bodies in here. Yes. Oh, yeah, a free glass of wine, gallery yeah. Tuesdays. And I remember meeting this guy at a reading and he said, Oh, would you like to go out sometime? I was like, Oh, yeah, absolutely, total stranger. <laughs> but he was cute and he was approximately our age. Yeah. So I gave him my number and we were supposed to go out like the next week or whatever. And he texted me, I think that night or whatever. He's like, Oh, do you want to go to this bar in Midtown where there's a pool and you go swimming? And I was like, <gasps> I don't know what you think about me that I'm like bathing suit ready, like in the no. middle of February in no. New York. Absolutely not. So I declined, but then as a result of being not being able to 
like, go out that night. He's like, you know, I have a reading next week, so how about you just come to that, and then we'll go out afterwards. Was he doing the reading, or was he in attendance at the reading? He was, he's a writer. He's actually, okay. like, a fairly well-known writer, um, but Good. at the time was sort of on the come-up, I suppose. Mm-hmm. This is, like, over 10 years ago. And I remember, so, like, it's getting, I'm, like, very excited. I tell all my friends I have a date. Because, like, again, this is, like, for 22, 23. We don't have anything oh else going God. on. I don't Thrilled know what's going on. the concept good. of a date. Thrilled. So we're, like, planning outfits. You know what I mean? Just, like, getting excited. And so, finally, it's the day of have not heard from him. Do not know where we're supposed to meet. And so, finally, I call him. I was like, so are we going to go out? Obviously, the answer is no. Like, the answer was probably he was just never going to call me. And he said, oh, yeah, I'd still, I would love for you to go to my come to my reading. But just, like, if my girlfriend's going to be there, so if you could be cool, I would appreciate it. And I went off. Like, I was livid. I remember, I think one or two of my friends were in the room. I think I was already dressed to go out. Like, well, I must be going on a date. Somebody told me, like, two and a half weeks ago whatever. <laughs> So I went off at him and was like yelling at him. I'm like, what are you Good. talking about? And then he says to me, he says, um, I can't have you yelling at me. Like, you're just really like throwing me off for my reading. And I was like, oh, fuck you, dude. I hate you. And you know, again, that's not, is that the worst story? No, but it was the first time I was like, oh, no. I've been bamboozled. I've been duped. Also, what a bizarre, like, to be like, oh, will you come to a swimming pool bar with me? And then like, to be like, I have a girlfriend. Like, that's such... Yeah, I don't know what the gameplay was. Also, I guess you would not expect to run into anyone you know at that at that pool bar. Yeah, I again, I've never been to it again. That's like the I don't know if it still exists. It's definitely not surviving the pandemic. No, there's no one's gonna get an inside pool that RIP Midtown Bar with a pool. (laughs) But um, I was like, wow, this guy really must trust that I'm not a little crazier than I am because I could have showed up at that reading and really raised hell. You really could have, and I think you should have. But I understand why you didn't. Yes. Anywho, I believe he married the woman he was dating at the time. So I hope, you know, we're all just travelers on the river of love and we all get to our different shores at different times. So that's my my dating horror story. That is a horror. And if you could believe it, there's something even more romantic coming up, which is, of course, this week's horror movie. And until until next week, I guess. Yeah. So enjoy this episode and we'll... See you guys in a few seconds. <laughs> we we love you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I feel good about that. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> if scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And this is a podcast where we take a horror movie and we tell you every little thing that happens so then you know what happens in that horror movie. Yeah, and then you don't have to watch it if you're like me and you're scared of literally everything that exists in the world, specifically movies. So, Or if you're like you're me. Oh, well, definitely you're welcome. And yeah. if you're like me, I... I love horror movies, and I will go and I will re-watch them. I will go on YouTube and listen to people explain what they think happened in the horror movie. I I pretty much, like, I just want to revisit horror movies over and over again. So if you're someone who loves horror movies and you already know what happens, enjoy. You know, this is going to be a yeah. relaxing, soothing, horrifying experience for you, too. Yeah, it's like uh, re-watching an episode of The Housewives. You're like, I know what happens, but I just want the uh, the extra... You know, Bravo gives those like stupid. They like they do like pop up video is back basically on a lot of like television shows. Can you believe that? 
I I love that format because I also think like I watch a lot of things on Amazon. I know. Oh yeah. But they have a lot of trivia that comes up, but I do think yeah. it's fun. I do like that. There was something I've been meaning to bring up, but mm-hmm. like I realized like I could watch not like any horror movie, but I could watch a lot of horror movies. I absolutely cannot watch Real Housewives because I'm so conflict averse. Like seeing people get into, I know it's fake, but seeing people get into what feels like real arguments is to me yes. more terrifying than a fictionalized depiction of, say, a murder. Yeah, see, and I can watch those and I'm just like, give me more. This is so good. And also, I feel like the satisfaction from it in the way that I think you feel the satisfaction from like watching a horror movie that resolves. So, yes, we're two, we're two sides of the same horrific coin. I mean, they're both scary in their own ways, um, especially just kind of like the practical effects like plastic surgery. <laughs> I know, yeah, none of it seems human. I right. do, they all seem like ghouls. I do I do listen to the podcast Bitch Sesh of course. With, with Casey Wilson and Danielle Schneider, and I do not watch any of those shows. And yeah. so like, that to me is my ruins. Like, I do not want to yes. have to watch Real Houses yeah. of... Of Utah, even of Salt Lake City, even seeing the trailer for those shows makes me scared. Okay, see, I mean, this this is perfect. This is good information for everybody to have. And that this is not a horror movie-specific kind of tendency or interest or curiosity that this exists with, like, other things, too. And oh, we're definitely. doing horror movies. And I also think, like, having to marry your own grandfather is the stuff of horror movies. And yet that is something that happens on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, to my understanding. It absolutely is. You understand well, that correctly. Well, we're going to get started <laughs> um, to something that's almost as horrifying as the idea of marrying your uh, step-grandfather, which is, of yes. course, our movie of this week, which is Hellraiser. Hellraiser. I'm excited we're doing this one. Yeah, an absolute uh, modern classic, and we always like to have Allison watch the trailer of the movie we're discussing. So what are your thoughts about the Hellraiser trailer? I mean, I love that it starts with, like, a blurb compliment. <laughs> like, the, the, tra- the trailer that I watched that you sent me is, like, Stephen King being like, this is the future of horror, which is just a a, a hilarious, like, ego <laughs> thing to be like, yeah, the greatest horror guy ever just said, that, like, I'm great. Um, but I believe that he's right. This was, t- like, I have no idea. Like, it's not a trailer that gives you a sense of, like, what the fuck is happening. Mm-hmm. But it does give you a sense of, like, what kind of horrors are in store for, like, any of the people in this. I mean, like, I would say, like, one of the things that stood out was, the I'm like, I don't know the names of any of the characters, but the guy with the acupuncture needles in his head. Well, he is known as Pinhead, but Pinhead. he is not called Pinhead, at least in the first film. So I think it is um, much like a lot of horror nicknames for characters. That sure. is something that uh, that has been given to him without him having a specific title. So Pinhead okay. and so his Pinhead. cadre of friends, yeah. Yes, so like Pinhead is like iconic. I mean, I remember Absolutely. seeing his you know, image everywhere when I was younger and like in movie stores and stuff like that. But the image of maybe it's him or maybe it's somebody else pulling a hook through a wall that's bleeding. And I was like, all right, whatever this is, it's like an absolute fucking nightmare. <laughs> so yeah, that's an, I think, do you think of it as something that's like you saw image of this growing up but had no context for it whatsoever? No context. We always like to take a baseline scary for every movie. And Allison, I want to ask you, how scary do you find the concept of hedonism? Not scary. <laughs> Oh, okay, great. <laughs> or like in the scheme of things that are scary on their mm-hmm. face, hedonism is one that I not only don't find scary, but like um, I, was, uh, I support. 
I Do you consider yourself in any way a hedonist? I think I am in the sense that like I am a I am an adult woman with plenty of money who lives alone. Mm-hmm. Like naturally I, a hedonist. Naturally a hedonist. Um and I've been to the resort nine to no, um I love <laughs> that there's a resort called hedonism. Um well, oh, just to interject, my I had a roommate, like a Craigslist roommate, an old roommate. She and her boyfriend went to hedonism. <gasps> it was actually hedonism too, because the original hedonism was apparently closed. And they, so they went to hedonism too in Jamaica. And I was like, who? Because I mean, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you guys are big hedonism head, let us know. I, I believe know. it's a swingers resort. It's it, at least it's, a nudist resort. I believe people go there to swing. It's definitely like couples focused mm. and like sex focused <laughs> from what I could, I remember seeing the commercials on television and being like, I can't believe that you could just be like, come to this island and fuck all these other people. And that's like a business. Good for them. And I, well, and like the couple, I mean, as soon as she said it, I'm like, well, both she and her boyfriend are, were like really good looking with insane bodies that like clearly they like spent a lot of time on. Yeah. So I'm like, I hope those are the people that are there because there's also a very classic meme that I don't know if you remember, Hedonism Rick. Um, And I can't remember what website it was, but you know, it's a website from 12, 50 years ago interviewing people at Hedonism. Oh, my God. And, um, oh, it's Hedo Rick. Sorry, it interviews this man, Hedo Rick. Rick, who I believe says that he has been to Hedonism 30 times and is That's so, too many to go any, that's too many times to go to any resort. Right, and I was like, oh, so you've had sex 30 times. Is yes. like that, Why else would you be going there unless you're like, the only way I know how to meet people to have sex is by going to it's Hedonism. To Hedonism. Um, that's so funny. I mean, you want to think that everyone there is hot and that's what's advertised, but you know that's not the case. And, oh, no, no. And, like, I was looking at the Instagram of Hedonism after, like, uh, oh my, my roommate told me this. <laughs> my old roommate told me this. And, like, clearly, like, there's a lot of, like, sh- they put on shows where it's, like, sexy dancers or whatever. And it's, like, yeah. obviously they are paying models and, like, like whoever, like, the, yes. the cocktail waitresses, they're paying, like, there's no picture of, like, anyone who's actually paying money to be there. Everyone there's, yeah. like, staff it's just the hot employees. people. And if you were to turn that camera like five feet to the left, I think you would just see like a bunch of people's aunts and uncles yeah. with like weird like dream catcher tattoos. Like yeah. people you would see at Disney World. Yeah, that's what I there. imagine. Like I've been to resorts, so I know who goes on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like just the hottest people. Like the hottest people you've ever met aren't going to an all-inclusive like necessarily. <laughs> They don't have to. They're being, no. I mean, they're being flown out. They're on a yeah, private they're getting, jet like, They're like taking trips to Cabo. Anyway, hedonism as a concept. You're saying, no, you're it's fine. It's not that scary, but I see how it can get, like, I've seen even in my own life how it just, like, unravels really quickly. Right. <laughs> it's scary, and all of a sudden, I'm like, did I drink two bottles of wine today? I mean, the pandemic has certainly, like, upped my home alone hedonism situation. But, um, yeah, I could see where it goes, but, like, as a concept, as opposed to, like, spooky old person or, like, the concept of motherhood. Like, this is not as scary to me. Though the trailer looks horrifying, and I'm sure I would be, like, crying in a corner after four minutes. So, yeah. Um, Well, I think we shall begin. I think this movie is a perfect example of how things could, when it comes to hedonism, things could really spiral out of control really quickly. (laughs) Of course. Um, And before the last thing before we begin is, uh, do you think there will be a twist in Hellraiser? If so, what do you think that twist will be, Allison? the twist. I mean, I know very little about this movie. So mm-hmm. I do think there will be a twist, uh, but I don't 
I can't like quite put my, it's got to be something about like the worlds that they're in and like where it came or how you get into it or something. I don't know. That's all. (laughs) It's very vague. (laughs) So let us begin. We are about to ruin Clive Barker's Hellraiser. Um, and I just want to say it is written and directed by Clyde Barker, who also is the author of the story. It's based on the Hellbound Heart. And oh. we we open on this guy, and this is like a very, remember we talked about in um, The Exorcist, where it's sort of like the uh, idea of like the exotic Western eye looking at the Middle East. Yes. As like this yes. place of, of nightmares and, and pleasures. Yes. So it's that. So they're Great. in Morocco, but Perfect. also the person that uh, our our, right now, our protagonist, Frank Cotton, is meeting with is ambigu- ambiguously Asian to the point where yeah. the actor is not listed anywhere. <gasps> and um, so I found on Wikipedia, it says, I think it's James Hong, who has been in a ton of different stuff. He was in like Big Trouble in Little China and Blade Runner, but he's not credited. So I was like, wow, they were really just like, I don't know, it's Morocco and there's an Asian guy. So you know this is about to be crazy in a way yeah. that like, hopefully now we understand. Like you can't just have like the shorthand for like exotic pleasures be like, I don't know, an Asian yeah, person non, in Morocco. Non-white, you know? non-white Af- North African and Middle Eastern culture. It's like, no, you, mm-mm. Exactly. So Frank Cotton uh, is meeting with this sort of uh, mysterious collector and he is buying a little puzzle box that in the original story is called the, La- the La- Lament configuration, but in the movie mm-hmm. is only referred to as the box. So I'm just going to call it the box. Okay. And it's sort of this filigree gold puzzle box. And he puts on a stack of cash and he takes the box and he leaves and the box collector says, go ahead and take it. It's yours. It always was. Cut to mm, a sweaty. That. Oh no no no! <laughs> when you you find you see a sweaty shirtless Frank in a dark room surrounded by candles, and he's sort of fidgeting like a Rubik's cube. He's okay. sort of fiddling with the cube, and then suddenly it opens on his own, and then hooks just shoot out and latch into Frank's face, like and he from screams. the wall. From the wall, from the void that the room is a part of. So the room is totally dark, and out of the dark shoots a hook into okay. his face. And he is then basically torn apart into a million little pieces. And the room that he is in is transformed into sort of a, in a, an abattoir, I guess, with like hooks and blades and swinging pillars that have like different body parts nailed to it, including what looks like just a dildo, like comically like nailed to Good. this board. Good. But it just looks like a big mess. And we are introduced to... Uh, the other characters who exist in this sort of world, which are Pinhead, who I guess he is called Pinhead in future movies. It's just in this movie, he's not called anything. So is he just like never addressed? He like, is. Does no one ever have to explain who he is to someone else? I don't think so. And I think what, does, what this movie does well is like they can't explain it because no one, nobody knows what's going on. Okay, perfect. Perfect. But Alex, perfect. try to explain it because it is okay. a complicated concept. <laughs> I think this is why, like, when you're translating a story into a movie, I think they did a good job of like, we're not going to explain that much. You know, just like in The Exorcist, yeah, it's like, we're not going to say, happening. keep yeah, going. We're not going to say it's named Pazuzu. You know, you, right. you're just going to know it's a demon. Right. So um, so we have Pinhead, and then he's the leader of the Cinnobites. Allison, what you might be asking is, what is a Cinnobite? That is exactly what I'm asking. 
And to my understanding, mm. and I, I've seen this movie multiple times, and I still am not exactly here. <laughs> a Cenobite is some sort of interdimensional. Great. Seemingly, here we go. This is what this is what Wikipedia says. So if, it's, if I'm wrong, you, you know, it's on Wikipedia. They are extra-dimensional, seemingly demonic beings. No. Who have, some of them, I believe, you used to be human, and then were transported to a different dimension or a reality where they indulge in sadomasochism to the point that they become, they sort of transcend their own humanity, and then they can no longer differentiate between pleasure and pain. Does that okay. make any sense to you? I, 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 I think so. <laughs> now, I kind of get what's happened. Like, they are, they, yes. I kind of have a sense of what these are. So Cinnabites. The, yeah, Cinnabites? so the Cinnabites. Okay, like I Cinnabuns. Guess, yeah, like Cinnabuns. Yeah, think about that. When you think, think of like Cinnabuns. an evil, a sexy evil Cinnabun. <laughs> That's what's in my mind while we talk about this. <laughs> they are very white and sort of, they don't look like humans. And they're all sort of wearing like this like S&M, like leather, like aprons and like have like slashes and like, they're sort of androgynous, like they're all Are they bald. smaller than humans or human size? Oh, what an interesting question. They are human <laughs> size. They're played by humans and they're human size. I love that you thought maybe they were little, though. I thought maybe, like, in in my mind, it's like shrinky dinks, like in the transition from oh. our reality to the other one, they have, like, reduced in size. This is why maybe you should have been in charge of, like, the design of this film. That would have been really fun. It's weird that, that, that I wasn't, you know? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, like, they, there are a lot of sequels, so I, whenever they make the next sequel. Yeah, I think, I mean, we should we should team up and, and get to work on it. So, yeah, so my understanding, which again, none of this is explained in the film. This is all, like, <laughs> from the story and then also from the sequels. But this is my understanding. Also, I, it, in Wikipedia, it says, according to the story it's based on, the Hellbound Heart, the Cinnabites are also known as the Order of the Gash. Oh, there God. you have it. The order of the gash, everybody. No, thank you. <laughs> but so our understanding is that Frank has opened this box because Frank is this total pervert, like an absolute hedonist. And he had ex like drinking, drugs, screwing, like he had exhausted all of Earth's options. So okay. he had heard about, like in a lot of old timey stories, heard yeah. about this object that will release, will open a door to a reality of unfathomable pleasure. But what Frank doesn't understand, because it doesn't make a ton of sense, is that no. that pleasure is uh, part of this reality where pain and pleasure are are the exact same thing. Okay. <laughs> and that's what we're starting with. So we're starting with this guy has hooks and he has ripped asunder and he is in a timeless torture void. Okay. You know. So is he dead? No. That is a great question. <laughs> I I think the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> he is He's alive, alive in some capacity. In some capacity. To like continue on in this world. Exactly. Okay. And then, but at a certain point, he is physically no longer in the house he was in. So he and the Cenobites exist in some other realm, but the house itself is standing clear. Sometime later, Frank's brother Larry and his new wife Julia move into the house not knowing any of this stuff went on. Great. And our understanding is that, like, Frank was, like, the ne'er-do-well brother, much better looking, who just sort of, like, you know, like, the fact that uh, uh, Larry hasn't heard from Frank, he's, like, he's probably in prison. Like, he, he's just, like, oh, that kind like of person. easy A to B. Um, great. And, yeah. And the house that they're in was the house that Larry and Frank grew up in. And so uh, 
Frank, Larry wants to really move back to the house with his new wife, Julia. Julia's not really on board with it. And uh, I Julia, yeah, it's just, and it's also like very ambiguous about like where they are. We only know they're not in Brooklyn because she keeps saying, well, this isn't like Brooklyn. Okay, well. <laughs> Which to be fair, most places aren't. Yeah, I would and say so, nowhere is Brooklyn except for Brooklyn. And when they get there, uh, Frank has been living there, but, like, obviously he's gone because he's in the Hellraiser dimension, which, again, they don't know about. But he's, like, left a bunch of dirty dishes, so there's, like, maggots in the food, and, like, he's left all of his pervert accoutrement, like, like, ivory sculpture, like, erotic carvings, and, like, photos of him having sex with different women. And in one funny detail, like, I guess they, this is probably a ratings issue, but, like, he has photos of what look like him having sex with women, but in every photo he's wearing his pants. So it's like he's having sex with a doggy style, but he's wearing a pair of jeans. And I'm like, that must have been like this dude's like, we can't see them having sex. Yeah, you're going to have to cover him up a little bit. And they're like, throw some jeans on him. And I guess I'm like, there is something incredibly perverted about having sex with a pair of jeans on. Like that is what he, maybe he just is like, I need something more. Yeah. It's being really uncomfortable during sex. Well, that, I mean, that would be. That's like more. I guess as a woman, it's like hard to imagine having sex with jeans on. Right. Yeah. That's like more a thing that like men could do. Right, but what? To what end? Other than the depravity, the depravity (laughs) of having sex with your jeans on. (laughs) Um. So, uh. So they're kind of seeing like this place is kind of a dump, and I think Frank's nervous. Like, oh, is Julia not going to want to agree to move in here? However, Julia finds Frank's belongings and she has this moment of like jealousy or envy. Like she finds it really erotically compelling, this garbage that this dirtbag <laughs> left in the house. <laughs> and just the, the detritus of a life lived hard. And we realize uh, that Julia had had an affair with Frank. Got One it. time they slept together okay. the day before her wedding to Larry. Frank showed Whoa. up for the wedding. And basically just came and was like, it's raining outside. Can I come in? They immediately screw. Obviously. Obviously. And then, of course, Larry doesn't know about it. She begs Frank to stay with her. They've had sex one time, and this woman's willing to throw away her whole life. I mean, could he be really good at it? Yes. I think that's what we're supposed to think is that okay. this guy is a mas- an erotic master. Listen, is he probably riddled with STDs? I have to Absolutely. assume. They, we never talk about safe sex. No one ever dresses it. No. But like that that guy rolls up. You are you're not getting out of there, you know, without five STDs. But he is so good at sex. And Larry, God bless him, but he's just like a really sweet, you know, normal guy. He doesn't seem like he's really bringing the heat in the bedroom, if I had to guess. Yeah. Frank, however, comes in and he cuts off Julia's, like, negligee with a knife. <gasps> and he throws her down onto her wedding dress, which she has laid out on the bed and oh. has sex with her. And she's like, all right, so let's, I'm just going to blow up my life and be with you now. And Frank's yeah. like, oh, peace out, baby. I just came here. Like, this I, is a one and done. Yeah, like, I'm so hedonistic. I am going to go to the Hellraiser dimension. <laughs> like, I, I'm not here. <laughs> I'm here for a good time, not here for a long time. So, but because of that, Julia, I think she thinks like, oh, is Frank going to come back here and I can have time with Frank or see Frank? So they're moving back. Meanwhile, and, uh, and, and Larry doesn't know about that transgression. Yes. Okay. Yeah, does not know. Would be devastated. Larry, I think, and unfortunately, Larry's going to have a hard time with this movie. Larry's a good person. Okay. Um, and does not know about this. Meanwhile, Larry's daughter, Kirstie, who, Kirstie, who I think we're supposed to think is in college, moves 
to the same city as them, but she rents a room somewhere. So I think we're supposed to think like she's in school and Larry. Nearby. Yeah. Larry was trying to be like, you could stay with us. And she's like, well, you're there, but also Julia's there. So um, Kirstie and Julia don't like each other. Okay. And part of that might be because uh, Julia is the most like the biggest bitch you've ever met in your life. Oh, She's good. an ice queen. She. It was also an interesting decision to make, like, essentially the female lead of this movie be, like, a, a very lovely but middle-aged woman mm-hmm. with, like, a very severe 80s haircut who's always wearing a ton of eyeshadow that doesn't look great. Oh, yes. She's in the trailer. Yes. I think. And I feel like if you made that movie now, like, it would be maybe, like, a middle-aged woman, but it would be, like, the hottest middle-aged woman you've ever it'd seen. Be like, it'd be, like, J-Lo. Like. Yes. Yeah, it'd be, like, Monica Bellucci. But, like, this woman's, like, this is somebody's stepmom who, like, maybe you don't like, but, like, you appreciate the energy she has, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. So, um, so, pretty much as soon as they move into the house, there's this one empty bedroom. Of course, that's the bedroom we saw Frank in, in the in when he opens the box and gets sucked into the Hellraiser dimension. Perfect. They don't know about any of this. No. But Julia's sort of looking around the house. They're sort of unpacking things. And uh, Julia sort of hears this whispering from the room and goes in. And, of course, she finds in the room the skinless, reanimated corpse of Frank who is hiding in the room. And we find out that he was summoned back to the room in some sort of corporeal form because Larry, he was helping move like a mattress into the house. Mm -hmm. Larry scratches his hand on a nail sticking out of the staircase. And when he went to go find Julia, who was in the room, spills his blood onto the floorboards. And the floorboards sort of absorb the blood and I guess, we're to think, brings Frank back in some corporeal form. Okay. But he looks a mess. <laughs> he looks I, real bad. Skinless is a problem. Skinless, and I would, like, fleshless. So it's like a dehydrated gray, but also looks like it's covered in cum. Like, wet, but dry. Oh, huh, wet, but dry. It's like biting into a chicken bone. Yeah, if you, yeah, exactly. Like, he's made on chicken bones. It looks like if the Crypt Keeper, if you just, like, hosed him down... Like, for a couple minutes. Like, he's wet. functional, or is it just, like, his body is there? He's dragging himself along on his arms, but he can't go anywhere or do anything. Oh. And he's he's like, Julia, it's me, Frank. And Julia's like, (laughs) Frank, you look terrible. (laughs) What happened to you? You look, you're literally skin and bones. He's like, I have been on a ride. (laughs) I know, Julia's like, I had sex with that guy. Yeah. But luckily... Luckily, Frank has, like, information, which is, like, this is movie's only about 90 minutes long, and it's because Frank's like, I'm going to tell you what's going on and you're, what you're going to have to do. So Frank knows that, oh, Larry's blood spilled on the floorboards, and I was able to be revived, but I need more blood in order to be fully uh, Frank again. And you have to, and so yeah. I need you to get me more fresh blood. Okay. And you have to get it to me quickly because they don't know that I escaped. And I don't want to have to go back there. And Julia says, what do you mean back there? And Frank's (laughs) like, don't worry about that part. (laughs) Just get me more blood. Don't worry about that interdimensional hellscape that I have been trapped in enjoying myself. (laughs) Meanwhile, Kirstie and Larry don't know about this. So this is all going on in the bedroom. If this was my house, I'd be like, oh, what should we use this spare bedroom for? And it's like, I want it to remain empty 
yeah, and disgusting I, and full of shadows. Yeah, let's hold like like block it off. <laughs> Nothing goes in there. Right, or redo it because at least if someone's going in there, like to to your interior designer, they'll find your ostensibly dead brother reanimated corpse, <laughs> and you could sort of like you know hash things out. <laughs> um. So Julia decides. And, and I guess we're just supposed to think because she keeps having these flashbacks of her one night with Frank. He he put that he laid that pipe so good that she <laughs> says, "Yes, I will get you more blood." Wow, I can't one think night. of I can't think of anybody either, like you know, emotionally or sexually that I would go get blood for. I mean, like, you know, I love my boyfriend very much, but I feel like if he demanded blood, I'd be like, I think we need to, like, go see a couples counselor. Like, yeah. I don't think it's fair for you to put your demands for blood right. on me. On me. Yeah. You're, you're, why can't you get your own blood, you know? Right, right. You yeah, need to so, grow up and be a man a little bit. Yeah, but if you're listening and somebody has put it down so good that you were willing to get blood for them, please let us know and yeah. let us know every detail. Tell us every single thing that happened. So she has agreed, okay, I'm going to get blood for you. Meanwhile, uh, Kirsty is dating this guy, Steve. And I think that she's supposed to be like, just like, this is what normal dating and normal sex is. Like, they kiss in yep. the subway, and it's like this passionate makeout session. And they're young yes. and hopeful. Unfortunately, because she's the only other person in this movie, you know things aren't going to go great for, no. for Kirsty. But um, uh, she also, and then that night, Kirsty has a dream where she sort of hears a baby crying, and all these feathers are fill, filling the air and she sees a bed with a body on it. And the from underneath the sheet, the body is covered in blood. And when she pulls the sheet off, it's her father. So I think she's supposed to, she's getting an omen about perhaps things to come. Yes. The very next day, Julia, who doesn't have a job, I guess, Obviously. goes to a hotel bar, picks up a guy, and brings him back to the house. No. And I think because it's, you know, like he she does not actually want to have sex with this guy. So, like, when he's trying to, like, kiss her and, like, be like, I've never done this, just go home with a woman or whatever, she kind of pushes him off. And this guy pushes her against the wall and says, you're not going to back out on me, are you? And so I think in that moment, you're like, okay, well, that guy could be fed to Frank or whatever. That, yeah, that's, I'm fine with that. Yeah, he seems like a piece of shit. So it's like, all right, let's, uh, you know, go so for it. I yeah, so I thought, okay, she's going to take him up to the room and then Frank will do his dirty business and then she'll be fine. No, Julie has to go up to the room, hit this guy, kill this guy with a hammer so, oh, so that the blood has to spills on. Get yes. the physical, but it's not like here's something with blood in it, go to town. It's she like, has to beat she has this to man to death with a blood. hammer. Exactly. <gasps> and I guess it's because Frank God, simply doesn't good. have the arm strength yet. Like he's not able, he can't even really do a push up, you know? Well, I would say that like a lot of, you know, energy and strength comes from, you know, iron. And if you don't have any blood, absolutely, <laughs> you would be yeah. short, you'd be deficient in iron. He is extreme. He's more anemic than anyone has ever been. <laughs> so she knocks him out, and then uh, Frank says, "Don't look at me." And then you realize he he tells her to leave the room so he can suck the body dry of blood. Just then, Larry comes home unexpectedly from work, so Julia has to like freak out and pick up this desiccated, dried out businessman's no. body and hide it in the room where they sort of put all their moving boxes and like furniture they haven't like dealt with yet. Right. And kind of dumps him behind like a bureau or whatever. And then comes down, it's like, oh, hello, Larry. Are, are you here to have lunch? Again, marriage is about communication. Yes. First and if foremost. You're, if you are willing, it's bad enough to sleep with your husband's brother. If you're yes. willing to then kill for him and hide bodies in the home you share with your husband— 
I'm like, why not just break up? Yeah, right. Like, what are you getting out of this relationship? You're not, and you're certainly not bringing anything to it. And if you have sex, yeah, even if you have sex with your husband's brother the night before your wedding, don't get married. Yeah. But definitely don't get his brother blood. Right. Right. Now, Now you've murdered. So then we see Frank again, and Frank, like, looks a little bit better. Like, he has, like, more— uh, He's gotten he, some blood. Yeah, and he's gotten some blood. He does not have skin, but he looks—he can stand upright. He looks like—do you, like, um, you know, the, the, do you ever see that bodies exhibit? Yes. Which I was really excited to see, and then, like, later, by the end of it, I was really sad, and later it said, like, oh, yeah, these are, like, prisoners, or, like, nobody yeah, really knows where they I, source the bodies. It's like, oh, no. I know. It's not great. It's so he looks great. like that, but again, very wet. There's a lot of wetness in this film. Okay. And so, uh, meanwhile, Kirstie's, uh, not only is she, I'm assuming, a student, she, or maybe she's just working at a pet store. She's working at a pet store, which is the busiest pet store I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, a woman's got, bringing back a bird to return and is shouting at her and a kid's knocking. You can't knocking. return a bird. No, unless uh, you got a bum bird. Well, what if they like, sold you a bum bird? They all are bum. They're birds. They're not <laughs> pets. That's true. Well, you and know? the bird looks fine. Like, the bird looks right. perfectly She's just reasonable. there because she wants to complain. Yeah. And there's a kid knocking on the, sh- on the snake tank. And she's like, leave the snakes alone. And then there's a guy near the cricket tank. And she's like, oh, God. And she look, goes over. And it's like sort of, um, he's, he's credited in, on IMDb as uh, the, the derelict, which oh. makes me think of um, Zoolander, yeah. Le der- derelict. Derelict. Uh, so the derelict is um, reaching into the cricket tank and just eating crickets by the handful. And staring what is at Kirstie. This movie? <laughs> and Kirstie's like, get the hell out of here. Well, first she says, put those back. And he's like, looks her in the face, and then he just eats another handful of crickets. <laughs> and the crickets are running in his beard. And that's one of the scariest things I've ever thought. <laughs> right. It's like <laughs> working, I mean, hats off to anyone working at a pet shop. And uh oh God, I know. But the reason he looks derelict is because like they've tried to like put like smudge under his eyes to make him look dirty, but he just oh, looks like looks Alice like Cooper or something. Yeah. Like he looks a little fabulous. Yeah, just kind of like, oh, were you crying and wearing eyeliner? <laughs> right, yeah. Like you just got some bad news, Alice Cooper, right as soon as you got off stage. <laughs> So then he leaves, and Steve stops by to get uh, Kirstie for lunch. And she's like, did you just see that guy? He's like, oh, I didn't see you. She's like, oh, he's eating crickets in here. So the next day, Julia brings home another businessman, hammers him to death, and Frank gets more blood. And he is now almost human but doesn't have skin, but yet Mm -hmm. insists on wearing clothes, which is a mess. Well, like, wouldn't that be painful? Yes, and that's the other reason. He's like, you need to get... So, in addition to those people that you don't know about looking for me from that place I escaped to that I have not told you about, <laughs> yeah. he says, like, I need to get more blood because my nerve endings are growing back and it's incredibly painful to be without skin right now. Yeah, but then I would also... Like, when I think about... And again, like, now we're getting into, like, the nitty-gritty of how uh, being skinless would work. But no, like, I think that this movie is very much about this. Well, <laughs> like... I think about sometimes, like, when you get, like, a cut or a scrape or, like, a little chunk of your skin, like, where it's not, like, a like a slash, but instead kind of, like... Yeah. Like, I think about, like, if you, like, peel, like, when you're peeling vegetables, like, those kinds of cuts. Like, that exposed fresh skin, like, nothing can touch it. It hurts. Mm-hmm. So, like, to yes. put clothes on all of that is just, like, const... Like, ugh. 
Yeah, so I think, I think yeah, Frank is in constant pain. Okay. And he's like, Julia, you better bring... So basically, I think he needs one or two more people, is what we're arguing. And Julia, with every person she kills, becomes a little more fabulous. Like, her hair gets a little higher, and she has, like, even more makeup on. Oh. And at one point, she's drinking, like, vodka on the rocks with, like, huge geometric earrings, and she just, like, smiles, smirks to herself. So I, I think, mean, what do you think, like, she's kind of into it. I mean, she's clearly into some fucked up shit if she had sex on her wedding night with her fiance's brother on her wedding dress. Yes, exactly. And I think like, like she's Frank not like is, a regular tastes kind of gal. No, no, no. I think most people said, hey, I'm really flattered, but I'm not going to cheat on the love of my life with yeah. his brother on my wedding dress. And right. I certainly will not get him blood. No. But finally, uh, like, I guess, like, she's so empowered now she can finally ask what the fuck is going on. Like, this is, like, pretty far into the film where she's like, so where were you? Why are you a skeleton, (laughs) juicy, wet skeleton man? I think I would need to know that answer before I got the Right up top. Right up top. Like, I'm like, I'm "I'm not going to get you any blood until you tell me where you've been. Okay, but Allison, what if that means we just have not been dicked down in such a way that we were willing to say, I don't I, need to know any information about where your skin went. I don't know. I don't need to know where you were or what other dimension you were in. I will get you blood. Yeah, I definitely have not been. Wow, I haven't either. And <laughs> honestly, I'm terrified because things do, if that does happen to you, things don't end well for no. anybody is what it looks no, like. Absolutely not. So Frank finally explains, okay, so he had the box and he opened it and he says it opened a door to the pleasures of heaven or hell. I didn't care which, because again, I was such a depraved hedonist. Um, He said the Cenobites gave me an experience that went beyond limitations, which from what we've seen is mostly being torn to shreds and being put back together over and over again. And so Frank's like, I had to escape and... As soon as I have skin, we're going to get out of here. And Julia, we're we're more than married. And he said, our connection, yeah. it's like love, but real. So. Okay. Like, they're bonded by blood, I guess. Mm. However, Julia will not let Frank kill Larry. Because, you know, you'd think, well, just, he's already in the house. Just send him up to the bedroom. But she right. still feels like, I can't do this, which Frank is pressuring her to do. And he's like, all right, that's fine. You better get me more blood. Like, I need more blood. At a certain point, Kirsty, who does, again, does not like Julia, has dinner with her dad, Larry. And Larry's like, okay. Julia's been acting really weird. I don't know if she's lonely because we moved back here and I have like a job and I have friends here. Could you stop by the house to visit her? Because maybe she just needs someone to talk to. Oh, no. Kirsty stops by the next day to see Julia leading a businessman into the house. So Kirsty's thinking, that bitch is cheating on my dad. That's why wow. she's been acting weird. If only. <laughs> Unfortunately, Kirsty's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to find out. And as she's going into the house, she hears what sounds like a fight, you know. And she goes up and not only does she find a businessman at the brink of death, she finds her Uncle Frank, who basically looks like a person without skin and is wearing a suit, but the suit is covered in blood because his blood is just coming out. Like the blood has no, is not being contained Uh, by anything. Does this make sense? Yes, it does make sense. I... I, I do have a little question, and that's yes. like, has she just been bludgeoning all of them with hammers? Or Yes. Okay, so that's basically the the method every time. Yeah, so she, hits, she hides a hammer in the room. She hits some of the hammer. When they go down and are unconscious, Frank kind of crawls over and then su- sucks them dry of blood. What happens to the bodies after he has sucked the blood out? It would appear that she is simply putting them in the other bedroom where all their packing boxes and furniture are. This is not a long-term solution. Oh, no, it is absolutely not. 
Because I was wondering, like, would you ever, like, get up there and you, like, turn around and you're like, there's a bunch of, like, uh, bloodless dead people in here. Like, I'm not going to fuck you. If Larry's, like, well, I just was thinking, like, if Larry was, like, where'd my old, you know, gym shoes go? And then you go look at the boxes, it's like, why are there all these goddamn corpses yeah, in here? Yeah, there's a stack of corpses behind my running shoes. So Kirstie is obviously shocked, and but Frank says, don't worry, it's me, your Uncle Frank. And she's like, that does not make me feel any better whatsoever. That's worse. There's more of a reason for him to, like, mess with all their stuff. And Frank is immediately very lecherous. He's like, oh, you grew up so beautiful. Come Ew. to me, your Uncle Frank. And he says, come to Daddy. <gasps> Absolutely no. not, Frank. I draw the no. line. no. I was no. trying with you killing all those businessmen, but not that. No, not that. Not that kind of language. So he backs Kiersey up into the bedroom, and unfortunately, it looks like he's— Well, you're not really sure if he's going to, like, attempt to rape her or kill her or both, mm -hmm. but he goes in for a kiss, and she oh. essentially, like, sticks her hand into his entrails, and it's so painful he falls to the ground. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're grappling around. She's trying to escape, and she puts her hand on something, and it's the box. And he says, give that back to me. A classic movie villain mistake. And she yeah. said, you want it back? Come and get it. And she throws it through the window and then is able to run outside, grab the box, and run away with it. Okay. Unfortunately, she's obviously so traumatized, she collapses, which brings me to my question, Allison. What would you do? What would you do? I don't even know what the police would do if you asked them to help you at this point. It's right. Like, this does not seem like this would be under their jurisdiction. Yeah. They're like, I don't know. We only deal with people who have skin and blood. Like, sorry. <laughs> does he have um, skin or blood? No. I think that I would destroy the box, mm -hmm. as it seems clearly important, which could go either like well or very, very poorly. But I would just take the gamble. Destroy the box and run away and like move to... You know, if they're on the East Coast, I would, like, move to Seattle and, like, never, like, cut communication and, like, hold myself up somewhere safe and have a private security guard. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm all glad I that you picked of. that instead of your normal answer. And, yeah, find a gun and kill myself. Right. I appreciate <laughs> that you thought outside the box this time. I'm trying, I'm trying to not... It's what would I do to survive? Yes. So Kirstie wakes up. She's in the hospital. Some bystanders brought her in, and she still has the box, but she doesn't really remember what just happened. And the hospital is like, just stay here. We're going to have somebody talk to you. And uh, I guess either she or they call Steve. So Steve is on his way to the hospital. Because she doesn't remember the events that have just happened, Allison, she starts to play with the box. Oh, no. Which then opens, and it opens a hallway. It looks like a old cobweb-filled medieval hallway in the wall. And Allison, mm -hmm. she goes into the hallway. No, girl. Because no. she hears a baby crying. And it's the same cry that she heard that her dream previously, the feather dream. Yeah. I still would be like, this is not, it's not my no, baby. I'm not going down there. It's not my baby. Absolutely. I don't know whose baby that is. Somebody should but, go help that baby. Yeah, but it's not going to be me. She walks down the hallway a couple steps, a little, little while, and she runs into a gigantic monster with a huge, that's sort of its head's on the bottom and it has a huge scorpion tail that chases her down the hallway. And no. the name of the monster is, from, I guess from the story, the Engineer. No. Yes. And that's all the information job? we have. He has a job. <laughs> yes, he, he drives a train. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. What kind of engineer? Is he a mechanical engineer? A, a civil you know? engineer. <laughs> exactly. Well, 
<laughs> Let me just tell you, he needs to he needs to like relax after his nine to five, and he's yeah. going to do it. Chase and Kirsty, and essentially going to kill her. She Ooh. makes it back to her hospital uh, room just in time, and she turns, and the hallway is gone. But she could hear the monster screaming on the other side of the wall, and it's like, oh shit, what's going on? Unfortunately, then the Pinhead and the other Cinnabites show up. And they're like, ha-ha, you opened the box. Now we get to take you to our Hellraiser dimension. And she's like, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just she, a puzzle box. She does not deserve this. This is something that Julia deserves. Yeah, Julia deserves this. And yeah, I don't think you should be able to summon them if you don't know what the box is for. Like, Frank was intending to summon yeah, them, so that seems fair. To. Yeah, he was like, I want to know what's in the box because I was told the general, like, what could happen. Like, exactly. she's just like, what the hell is happening in my life? Right. Maybe I was just this fiddling. is an answer. Yeah, yeah, I was just fiddling with it. Like, you'd fill it with a Rubik's Cube. And so, Kirsty asks, like, who are you? And Pinhead tells her, Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. And Kirsty's like, well, I didn't know that. I didn't call you. Like, she didn't ask for this. And uh, so, there's... Um, the other Cinnabites, there's a female Cinnabite who sort of has, like, a vaginal, like, opening mm. in her throat that's oh, being okay. suspended open by, like, sort of like a surgical suspension instrument. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, there's also an overweight Cinnabite who is known as Butterball, who his thing is he has a pair of glasses and he's fat. And oh. the most depraved combination. They're like, oh, could anyone imagine? He's fat and he wears sunglasses. And then the chatterer. <laughs> Wait, sunglasses? Yes, he wears a pair of sunglasses. I'm imagining that, like, Ray-Bans? I mean, I don't know. I mean, he seems like that's, he seems like a man of taste. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, well, what of kind chic. of sunglasses would a hedonist wear? Mm-hmm. And then the chatterer who has no eyes or lips and is just, has just chattering teeth on its face. No. <laughs> Yeah. And they're all wearing, like, again, like, S&M. Like, they have, like, their nipples cut off or, like, slashes. Do they all have skin? They all have skin, but then okay. they have, like, again, the female cinema has, like, a, well, yeah. a vaginal opening in her throat. The I think the uh, butterball has, like, essentially a vagina in his stomach. Like, like it's sort of like their bodies have been repurposed and, like, for broken down and rebuilt and for pleasure. Yeah. Exactly. In a way that is, I would say, the, the design is excellent. It's very unnerving. Yeah. But again, so they Christy, have skin. Exactly. All the all skin. So Kirsty says to them because she's smart. She says, um, "Do you know that somebody escaped your Hellraiser dimension?" They said, "No one could escape us." So she said, "Well, my uncle Frank did. So what if I bring you to him and then you take him instead of me?" And they're like, mm, "We're going to think about it, but we don't hate that idea." So okay, you should go they're find open. him. We're open to this. And they say, well, if you, we'll think about it, but if you cheat us, we will tear your soul apart. Which is a lot to put on a girl. She's just working at a pet shop. Like, she's yeah. just trying to have a boyfriend and have a normal teenage life. And now she has to deal with this. Um, back at the house, Frank is almost there, but he still doesn't have skin. So Julia's like, let's just go. And Frank's like, I cannot emphasize enough to you how much I don't have skin still. Like, I, we cannot <laughs> leave that skin. Like, let's just go. Because they realize, like, Kirsty now knows, and they're like, she's going to tell somebody. She's going to call the police. Again, What? I, my uncle doesn't have skin. It's like, it's there's like, no, there's no lady, law against it. What do you want us to do? This is America. Your uncle does not have to have skin if he doesn't want to. No. It's on the books. And they and so Julia relents and basically allows Frank to kill Larry. So the only thing keeping Frank from killing his brother was Julia's reticence to let him go. And she finally... To convince, like, proving what a true piece of shit she is, sacrifices yeah, she her husband to Frank. 
it's kind of fun to see, like, a woman be awful. Yeah, and it, and solely out of, like, an erotic attraction. Like, right. she's a monster because she just loves this guy's dick so much. Yeah, like, it's just kind of, like, I, I feel like usually women are just, like, either, like, an accomplice, which I guess she kind of is, but she's kind of empowered, um, or right. are just, like, a victim. And she's kind of, she has some agency. She has agency. She is making a ton of bad mistakes, but mm-hmm. she is, but she, does she has agency. a goal. So then I think we had a lot of questions about skin. So that's like habits that I don't really understand. So basically, he kills Larry, and now he is wearing Larry's skin. So I assumed, okay, he has more blood, so he would just, Frank would just grow his own face back. Right. But instead, it looks like he's wearing Larry's skin, so he looks like Larry. I'm going to now refer to Frank as Evil Larry, because for all intents and purposes, he is Larry. That's what's happening. Okay. And I didn't understand that part. Is the same. So Larry, Larry now gets to be evil. So he's been the oh. super sweet dad this whole time, and now he gets to like drink bourbon and be like, uh, uh, "Your daddy's gonna be all right." You know, like that's how you know yeah. he's he's. That's uh, fun changed. for the actor getting to play two different roles. So Kirstie finally gets out of the hospital and runs home to warn her father that Uncle Frank's upstairs without skin and like something. T- Julia's right. in on it, and they yeah. killed this guy. When she gets home, unfortunately. She assumes it's her father, but is in fact evil Larry. Oh no! And she, the only reason she's able to figure this out is because he says to her, "Come to daddy," and she's like, "That's not something an actual daddy would say. No, an actual father would never." No, and also my uncle said that to me, like right about about an hour and a half ago or earlier right. today. My uncle tried to like essentially murder me and uh, said, "Come to daddy." Meanwhile, the Cenobites have arrived, and they're sort of there's sort of a, a switcheroo about whose body they're going to take or who's mm-hmm. dead. Like, oh, is that the real Larry? Is that the fake Larry? Right, right, right. But at the end of the day, Evil Larry and Julia essentially have Kirsty trapped in the house, and they're saying, okay. "Join us, sort of join our depraved, I, I guess, semi incestuous relationship." Or, or whatever. And Kirstie, of course, there's, we've seen no indication from her that she has any interest in it whatsoever. No, I don't think that she, like, no. So my question to you, Allison, is who will survive? Who will survive? I mean, the ending I want is for uh, Pinhead and his Cenobites to take uh, Evil Frank and Julia and mm-hmm. leave Kirstie to survive. So that is what I'm going to predict. Or that's 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 my guess based okay, on great. what I would like to happen and would feel like a satisfying ending. And then also, what do we feel about Steve? Is Steve making out of here alive? Um yes. Okay. Steve's her boyfriend? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think that they make it. All right. And then what about Ladera leaked? Are we thinking, is he going to be able to escape? He's definitely going to, like, come back in some way. Mm -hmm. And my guess is he does not survive. Maybe he is, like, connected to that world somehow already or is into it. Fabulous. 
Ever been to Delaware? If not, now's the time to visit. You'll find a lot of fun in a little state. Since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. Get a taste of Delaware at one of the award-winning restaurants and enjoy a local craft brew. See the first state's unique historic landmarks and experience Delaware's endless discoveries. Plan your adventure today at visitdelaware.com. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, so Kirsty, of course, rejects this, is like, this is disgusting. How dare you? I know you murdered my father. And she scratches Frank's face or ah. evil evil Larry's face and it sort of like tears off this big chunk and evil Larry is about to stab Kirsty, but in the last second he stabs Julia and kills her and Julia is like absolutely what the hell man devastated. I've been yeah and Frank says it's nothing nothing personal baby because oh Frank is a piece of shit like he was just using Julia he did not care about her again they had they hooked up they had one one night stand how five years ago whatever right like there, he was obviously just using her to get his skin what? back so right. he could escape the Cenobites. So Kirsty, you know, she's not able to escape, so she runs back upstairs and ends up being in this bedroom. And uh, Larry's in there, and she finds her father's dead body. So sort of the desiccated oh, drain yes. of blood, and she's weeping over her father's body. And um, Frank slash Evil Larry says, "Don't mourn him." He was dead before we even we ever touched him. And it's like, okay, but he wasn't that dead. Like, okay, yeah, no. sure. He had no. the work-a-day life. Maybe that was boring, but I don't think he wanted this. He was physically alive. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't think you understand what dead means, right? Right. It's like, it's like you're so hung up on the physical about how you, like, need blood and skin, but, like, he's dead. Admit he's dead. Also, that's your brother, bitch. Like, yeah. have some compassion. And Kiersey's there, and it seems like all hope is lost, but then luckily Pinhead and the Cinnabites show up. Because they realize Frank did escape. And just because mm-hmm. he's wearing Larry's skin does no, not mean that that's not Frank. Yeah. So they show up and Frank's like, no, you set me up. It's like, I don't think she actually did set you up. Like the Cinnabites, like, yeah, she told them that you escaped, but like you did. So like, that's not on her. And right. Yeah. So the Cinnabites then, the hooks shoot out of the void. 
latch into him. He's sort of pulled into like a cruciform position with all these hooks. And he he stares at Kirsten, he licks his lips, and he says an iconic line. Jesus wept. And then he is literally pulled apart like he's he expl- like he's exploding, and his body bursts into a million wet, fleshy pieces. Ew! Just then, Steve arrives at the house. The Great. worst possible time. Steve runs in, and right as Kirstie's trying to escape, but the Cinnabites, I guess, because they don't really, they don't have like a like a code of honor. They decide actually, yeah. we want Kirstie too. So right. we, it's we like, afraid. Well, why wouldn't we? Yeah, we we only want pleasure and pain. We only want to, like, you know, rape people for all eternity or whatever. So she and Steve have to figure out how to close the puzzle box to make the Cinnabites disappear. And they do, but it causes the house to start to crumble on them. And finally, just as they're about to close the box, the engineer, the monster from earlier, appears and attacks them. But Kiersey's able to finally figure it out um, and drive all of these creatures back to the dimension. Okay. The house burns, explodes into flame, burns down, essentially breaks down to a bunch of different little fires. And Kirstie takes the box and she puts it into one of the fires. And the last person that we see is La Derelict. Perfect. Who comes up, he reaches into the fire and pulls the box out. (gasps) His entire body is consumed in flames. And then he turns into something. Allison, what do you think La Derelict turns into? A cricket? He Oh, that's a good guess. He turns right? into a skeleton dragon and he flies away. And the last oh. scene is the collector <laughs> from the beginning who is selling the box to a new person. And that's when you realize, oh, actually, like, all these people are essentially renting the box because that dragon then returns the box to the collector. So he's just kind of, um, like, an employee. Yeah, it's like WeWorks. It's like the WeWorks <laughs> of evil objects. Sure. And he, yeah, he's like a bike messenger. Yes. Okay. And that's <laughs> for the, the end. For another realm. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end. Wow. That is not what I thought that movie was going to be about. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a wild one. Um, it is. Are there any final mistakes that you think that people may have made? If, if any come to mind, did any characters make a mistake in this movie? Fatal mistakes. I mean, a few. I mean, obviously, um, Frank pursuing the box at all yeah, is a huge problem. Like, just figure out, you're just going to have to figure out a new way to find pleasure, man. You can't just go start messing with other realms. Um, yeah, we have a lot of pleasures on Earth. Yeah, find a new one. Explore. Get crazy. Uh, I would say also Julia um, having sex with her uh, fiancé's brother the night before her wedding mm-hmm. and then uh, subsequently being so digmatized that yes. she committed several murders so that he could get blood. This is truly a warning about digmatization. Yes, it is. This is a, this is a, a cautionary tale for sex that's too good. Yeah, I guess, um, I think Julia, to me, this was like her, this was her story. Mm-hmm. You know, as a woman, you are, mm-hmm. you want to be empowered. You yeah. want to have, you know, like a, a fulfilling sex life. On the downside, you might accidentally be lured into the Hellraiser dimension and yeah. murdered. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to discuss a, a segment I, I'm calling Bespoke Hellraiser Dimension. Wonderful. And I'm thinking like, okay, hell, like the Hellraiser Dimension is all about like sexual pleasure that is like mm-hmm. beyond all human understanding. And I was thinking, what is something like that's less 
that's more underrated than sex that you think you could imagine a Hellraiser dimension for. And oh. I think I could be the pinhead for a Hellraiser dimension devoted to the uh, sitcom Reba. Because okay. I do feel like I will defend that show. It is an incredible sitcom. And I love sex, but I also love Reba. So I'm like, if I'm going to end up, mm-hmm. like I just imagine myself, I'm pinheaded, but also I have Reba's haircut. That would be, I could see myself getting there. Okay. Well, then I have two, kind of. Um, along the lines of Reba, I am a uh, a defender of King of Queens. That oh, is okay. My, I didn't my know go- that about you. It is, a, it is a very popular show that was on for a long time. So it's it's not like it's like, some kind of sleeper hit, but oh, like yeah, it is a CB- Reba. It's a CBS multicam. Like it's exactly. not necessarily something that people are pointing to and being like incredible television, but it is very funny. So yeah. I would say that. But I also would say if I want to take it outside of television and have a realm, um, I would say uh, the world of beverages that people don't like. Ooh, okay. Like I. Sorry, I just got a phone call. Um, Was it Pinhead? It was, he's like, hello. <laughs> I don't know. Did you escape us? <laughs> it's like, why do you have all your blood? Um, <laughs> I also, with beverages people, like, I am someone who really likes ginger ale. And a lot of people don't like that. But I have a lot of, like, I buy ginger ale as a treat. I feel like um, I could imagine a ginger ale so spicy mm-hmm. and fresh that it would, like, melt your skin off. And well, I feel like that I could see that in your bespoke Hellraiser dimension. Canada Dry did come out with Canada Dry Ginger Ale Bold. Oh, I saw that. Have you had it? I haven't had it yet, but I'm— Ooh, I'm, I really want to try it. I'm ordering it. Uh, hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out, I will have tried it, and we can I can report back on the podcast, but, like— Canada Dry Ginger Ale is already an intense beverage. Oh yeah, it's a kick. It's a lot. It's highly carbonated and it's super spicy. And so I'm excited to see what painful, exquisite pain that Canada Dry Bold will provide. We definitely should try that on the pod. It makes me yeah. think of like how people talk about how Sprite from McDonald's is super spicy. I feel like there's yeah. a whole like soda component. Too, well, like have you ever dimension. had Fizz spelled F-I-Z? I don't think so, no. It is a uh, club soda, seltzer beverage. It is just, I would say it is violently carbonated. Oh, boy. Um, it, like, almost hurt. Like, it you just almost, blows out your throat. You almost can't drink it. It comes in a very small bottle that is $4 that you can only get at stupid places like Brooklyn Larder. Shout out to, to Brooklyn Larder. Have to say, you have to, like, buy it behind bulletproof glass. They don't even have it anymore. I just went recently, and it was gone. So um, if any of our listeners have ever had fizz, hit us up. I'm ready to talk about fizz. That makes me think of, um, I remember in college, I feel like we've talked about this on the pod, was, uh, do you ever have um, Coke Black? And it was like caffeinated Coke. <laughs> no. And it was in those little glass bottles. And I feel like they had to make a mini bottle because if you had a full-size Coke, like your eyeballs would explode <laughs> on your head, which again would happen in the Hellraiser soda dimension. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm actually going to say the beverage, the soda and beverage world is the, is, I would be the pinhead of that. Okay, well, I can't wait to join you there one day. I know. And then finally, um, Elsa, where do you think this movie falls on the spooky scale? A spooky scale. I'm going to throw this a six. Okay. Maybe a seven, um, just because I think, like, now that I understand this concept of hedonism, I'm like, this is scary. <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah. And it also, like, Usually, like, otherworldly stuff is a little less scary because we know it's not real. Like, mm-hmm. you can separate. But, like, this is so demonic that I feel like it would be very scary. 
Yeah, I feel like I'll give this a six too because I feel like I'm not scared watching it, but I do find like the mythology so upsetting yeah. and so scary yes. that like it is something that like I, a tip of the hat to Clive Barker, you know, to come up with this. And yeah, it feels like that dream logic where it's like, I guess I almost see how this is possible. Like someone who's so depraved and like right. needed such pleasure that it drove you out of like the human understanding of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed us ruining this movie for you. That's There's Hellraiser. a lot of Hellraiser sequels, so we'll definitely have to do some of those. I've never seen we, any of the sequels. We should dip our toes into that uh, that world for sure. Boy, and until then, please. We gotta say it. Keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Bye, guys. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.